Well, that's our declaration this morning. All we have is Christ. And we say that not saying, oh, I can't believe that's all we have, but we say that that's all we need. Jesus is all we need. We thank you that your promises are true. We thank you that Jesus is enough for us. And so we declare all we have is Christ. Jesus is our life. We thank you, Father, that while we ran our hellbound race, you looked upon our helpless state. You led us to the cross. Thank you so much for all that you've done to make us your children, to satisfy your wrath on your own son so that we can be your sons and daughters forevermore. Thank you for the gospel that it's true, that it's beautiful. And in this gospel, we find our rest and our hope. Thank you that you have paid it all, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you finished the work you came to do so that we might be forever yours. But thank you for all that you've done to make us yours. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news that sets us free. And now, Lord, use this ransom life. Use our ransom lives to declare that the power to obey your commands could never come from us. Nothing we have done or will do is for our glory in our own strength, but all for You, because of You, through You, in You, are all things. To You be the glory forever and ever. Father, get glory from our lives. Get glory from our ransom lives. Help us to live in such a way that shows who our Master is, who our Lord is, who our Savior is. We ask You to help us to see that this morning in the book of Proverbs. Lord, you use the book of Proverbs to make us wise this morning. We want to be people of wisdom. We want to be people who walk in your ways. We do not want to be people of folly and foolishness. But Lord, help us to trust in you with all our strength. Help us to turn away from our own understanding. Help us to follow your commands for your glory, for our good. Lord, thank you that you're the Savior that says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your souls. God, would you give us that rest for our souls in your word, in your commands, because your commands are not burdensome, but your commands give life. So do your work in our hearts this morning for your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and grab your copy of Scripture and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, chapter 6. As you know, we're taking a short break from the book of Romans this summer. We've been making our way through the book of Romans since the beginning of this year, and we're going to pick that back up in August with Romans 8 through 11 this fall. So we're really looking forward to that. We usually just take one passage of Scripture, uh, usually seven or eight verses, somewhere in there, and we just stare at it, meditate on it, consider what it says. But this morning, as something of a little change of pace, we're going to look at the entire book of Proverbs, and specifically what the book of Proverbs says about a particular theme, the theme of laziness. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 6, and look at verses 6 through 11. This is the word of our holy God. Go to the ant, O sluggard, Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. 
How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep? A little slumber? A little folding of the hands to rest? And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Here in Proverbs 6, we're introduced to one of the most colorful and tragic characters in the book of Proverbs we're introduced to the sluggard. Notice that verse 6 and verse 9 address the sluggard directly. So this isn't an indirect addressing of the sluggard. He's addressed directly. Look at verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Verse 9. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? And so the sluggard is a person who is slothful, lazy, idle, and thus unproductive. One translation uses the title lazy bones for the sluggard. How long will you lie there, you lazy bones? You see, the sluggard is the ultimate procrastinator. And Proverbs has nothing good to say about the sluggard. He is addressed as foolish and he is counseled to get out of bed and gain wisdom. In Proverbs, the sluggard is warned of the dangers of his idleness. Laziness will bring ruin and destruction to the sluggard's doorstep. Proverbs makes clear that diligence and hard work is the path of wisdom that God has set before us, and laziness is the path of folly. If we're going to be wise in God's world, if we're going to live as people of wisdom, we must understand and rightly apply the goodness, the pureness, the rightness of hard work and avoid our natural tendency toward leisure and idleness. You see, at heart, we're all sluggards. When the sluggard is addressed here in Proverbs, it's addressing all of us. All of us gravitate toward this sluggardness. All of us gravitate toward this slothfulness. All of us are experts at avoiding the most important things we've been called to do. And not only that, not only is there inside of us a sluggard that gravitates toward idleness and unproductivity, but we live in a culture, friends, that pushes us toward idleness over productivity. Slothfulness is rampant in our world today. The slogan of modern America might as well be, do as little real work as possible and then relax. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that most Americans live for the weekends, the vacations, and the retirements. Leisure is the treasure that we worship. We love our laziness. And we have devised all sorts of ways to justify it today. So friends, we have a tremendous amount to learn from God's Word about the danger of laziness. Listen, all of us may be at different stages in our battle against the sluggard within us, but all of us make, must make war on that sluggard inside of us, in our hearts. And by the grace of God, I think this is one specific area of our lives where we can make some measurable strides toward being wise and godly people. 
when we set out on this summer to do this short summer series, all the pastors, we've just been picking passages that we think we need to hear as a church. And as I came upon this thought that we could look at the sluggard in Proverbs, I resisted. I didn't want to do this because I'm highly convicted by what God's Word says about this. I resisted. I kept gravitating toward these other passages that I wanted to do, but I kept coming back to it. I think this is a really practical issue of our lives that we could make some noticeable progress in, that we could apply to our lives in such a way that our city would be blessed, that our workplaces would be blessed, that our homes, that our church would be blessed if we could obey God in this one particular way by His grace and for His glory. And so for the glory of God and for the good of our souls, let's consider what Proverbs says about the sin of laziness. I want to consider what Proverbs says about laziness under three headings. I want to see the characteristics of the lazy, the consequences of laziness, and the cure for laziness. The characteristics, the consequences, and the cure for laziness. So first, let's consider some characteristics of the lazy. As I studied the book of Proverbs and everything that it has to say about laziness, I put what it says into four marks of the sluggard, four marks, four characteristics of the sluggard within us. And so as we look at these four characteristics of laziness, consider yourself, evaluate yourself. So resist the temptation to evaluate others in your life for this moment and evaluate yourself. Where do you see these tendencies in your own life and heart? First characteristic. Lazy people love rest too much. Lazy people love rest too much. So if you want to find the sluggard, the best place to look for him is in the bed or on the couch. Notice how Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 addresses the sluggard again. How long, how long will you lie there, O sluggard, when... Will you arise from your sleep? And I think verse 10 is meant to be a mockery of how the sluggard would answer that question. How long are you going to lie there? How does the sluggard respond? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. In other words, the sluggard always wants to rest just a little bit longer. When you ask him when is he going to get up, just a little bit longer. No amount of sleep satisfies him. The sluggard can't wait to just lie down and take it easy. The next episode button on Netflix that just automatically goes to the next episode without even having to lift the remote and click it, that was made for the sluggard. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't even have to make a decision to go to the next episode. He just sits there and watches, avoiding all of the things that he should be doing. Proverbs 10.5 says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. In other words, we shouldn't be sleeping when there's work to do. There's a time to rest. There's a time to work. And lazy people lack discernment as to which to do when. Laziness causes us to miss out on valuable productivity because we selfishly want to rest just a little bit longer. Proverbs 26, 14 is quite humorous when it depicts the sluggard like this. 
a door tur- as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard in his bed. Think of how challenging this metaphor is. A lazy person is compared to a door that swings back and forth on its hinges. You see, a door is one of the only things that moves but doesn't go anywhere. The point is that the sluggard tosses and turns on his bed, making no progress at all. The sluggard is attached to the bed, just like a door is attached to the frame. He rests so much that he might as well just strap himself to the bed or to the couch. Lazy people are characterized by an unhealthy love for rest, for sleep. Resting is an idol that they worship. Now, let me make an important clarification before we move past this characteristic. Rest is a good gift from the hand of our good God. Rest and sleep are gifts from God. Sleep, in fact, is intended by God to remind us that we are not God. We are not omnipotent. God is the only one who never sleeps and never slumbers. But as with any of God's good and precious gifts, we can sinfully turn them into idols. So while sleep is a good gift from God to be received gratefully by us, there are boundaries. See, sleep is a good thing when it's used as God intended that, to rejuvenate us, to humble us. But too much sleep, undisciplined sleep, is idol worship. So evaluate yourself according to this characteristic. Do you love sleep too much? Now, the incredibly hard thing about answering that question is there's not a definitive biblical number of hours a day that we must sleep, and if we exceed that, we're considered lazy. See, all of us are different here. Some of us need more sleep than others. Our circumstances and seasons of life and health are all different. We're all at different stages. But it's worth evaluating ourselves and seeking God's wisdom from God's word here. And so ask yourself questions like this. Do you stay in bed longer than you should? Meaning, do you neglect important practices because you are sleeping? Like, do you rarely have time to read your Bible and pray because you sleep too late? Are you regularly late to work or other important meetings because you sleep late? Is your desire for rest and relaxation and just doing nothing keeping you from getting involved in the lives of others and participating in the activities of God's church, God's family? If so, if sleep, if rest keeps you from those important things that God wants you to be doing, you probably love sleep more than you should. Listen to Proverbs 20, verse 13. It says it as plainly as possible. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Love not sleep. Love it not. Don't worship it. Don't worship it like it's an idol. Now, the intention of this point is not to make anyone feel guilty for taking a nap or sleeping in or taking a vacation. In fact, I plan to enjoy the good gift of a Sunday afternoon nap this afternoon. It is to be received with gratefulness, with humility. Our bodies need rest. Our bodies need sleep. But the intention is to drive us to dependence on God in this area of our lives. 
The intention is to lead us on the path of wisdom, the path of dependent discipline, diligent trusting in the Lord in this area of our lives. And so the first characteristic we see of the sluggard is he loves sleep too much. He loves rest too much. Here's the second characteristic. Lazy people have trouble finishing what they start. Lazy people have trouble finishing what they start. So in Proverbs, the sluggard is not motivated to complete any of the projects he starts. He has good ideas, he has good intentions, but he never seems to actually devote himself to getting anything of significance done. Turn to Proverbs 24. Actually, turn over to this one because it's a a, a little bit lengthier. Proverbs 24, beginning in verse 30. This is Solomon writing the Proverbs, and he's, he's here considering what's taught him. What has taught him? Well, look what he says. Proverbs 24, 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So evidently, the sluggard got around to planting this vineyard. He even put a stone wall to protect his vineyard. But he failed to keep it up. It was overgrown with thorns. The wall was broken down. Why? Because the sluggard is a procrastinator. He's got a to-do list, but he never gets anything of significance done because of his laziness. Friends, it's about time to call procrastination what it really is. Procrastination, the putting off of what should be done now to a later time, procrastination is laziness. Now listen, I grew up in an era, I don't know if it's still this way today, but I grew up in an era where I can remember procrastination was a badge that people wore as like this was something cool that they, that they did. Like I can remember in, in high school and in college, people talking about, oh, I stayed up all night and finished that paper the day before it was due. As if that was doing something like really good, like I'm so cool because I can wait to the night before. Friends, Procrastination, putting off important tasks and failing to get other important tasks done is slothfulness. Procrastination is not a strategy built on God's wisdom. The sluggard is repeatedly mocked for things like this in the book of Proverbs. Twice we read this about the sluggard. 26.15 is the one I'll read. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. You see, the sucker completely lacks motivation and ambition. It wearies him to raise the spoon of frosted flakes to his mouth. He has trouble finishing what he started. Proverbs 14, 23 says it this way. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. You see, lazy people have good ideas. They talk a good game. They're horrible at implementing those ideas. Now, to me, this is, the most, this is the most challenging characteristic of laziness that we see in the Proverbs. Because what this means is that it's possible to do a lot of things 
and still be lazy. Do you have a category for this? It's possible to be a busy sluggard. Busyness does not equal diligence. See, the sluggard has pursuits. He does things. The problem is he pursues worthless things instead of devoting himself to the most important thing. Proverbs 12, 11 says it this way, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. You see, we're not just to picture the sluggard as sleeping all the time. I think most of us, when we hear laziness, we think people who sleep all the time. And that was the first characteristic. We see that all over Proverbs. It's true. But there's this other aspect of being a sluggard that's true of all of us. The sluggard can be very busy, very active, very active, but unfocused in his activity, but undisciplined in what he does. The lazy person devotes himself to whatever satisfies his sinful craving in the moment instead of what he should be devoting himself to. See, I think I can fool myself into thinking that I'm not lazy just because my schedule is full and I'm doing a lot of things. Many of us are hectic sluggards. I'm a hectic sluggard. Lots of activity, but very little focused activity that sees a task through to its end. And so ask yourself a tough question about this characteristic. Do you devote yourself to worthless things at the expense of the primary things God has called you to devote yourself to? Like, if so, you're a sluggard. Lazy people may have good intentions, but they rarely accomplish anything of significance because they put off to tomorrow what needs to be done today. See, the sluggard's favorite day is always tomorrow. I'll get around to it tomorrow, but tomorrow rarely ever comes. Friends, what are the good things in your life? What are the good and godly and holy things that you have put on the back burner of your life? Are there things you know that God wants you to devote yourself to that never actually find their way into your schedule. The sluggard is the king of putting off what should be done immediately to some other time that never comes. Look at the third characteristic that I want to show you in Proverbs of the sluggard. Third, lazy people make excuses. Lazy people are characterized by excuses. Lazy people rationalize their laziness by making up excuses that seem right in their own eyes. Look at Proverbs 26.13. Proverbs 26.13. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. This is another proverb that is intended to be funny. This is another example of something that's intended to mock the foolishness of the sluggard. Why does he not want to do his work? Why is he a sluggard? He shifts the focus off of himself onto some imaginary lion that's made up in his mind. He can't justify just sitting on the couch all day, letting the next episode button just keep going to the next episode without having to do anything. He can't do that. I mean, who would, who would justify doing that? So what does he do? He makes up something in his mind. There may possibly be a lion when I open the door. We all do this, don't we? We justify our actions to make excuses for our laziness. Our circumstances, our situation is just different. You wouldn't understand. We blame our boss. We blame the weather. 
We blame our children. We blame the government. It's always someone or something else's fault that we are the way we are, that we don't do what we should do. So I think one of the first steps out of laziness right now this morning is just to acknowledge our sinfulness in this area. There are no excuses for our lack of productivity outside of ourselves. We are sluggards. Stop making excuses. The fourth characteristic that we see in Proverbs of the sluggard is this. Lazy people are proud. Lazy people are proud. You want to know what the root of laziness is? The root of laziness is pride. Wherever you see laziness in your life, you can be sure there is pride in your life. Listen to Proverbs 26, 16. This gets to the inner motivation of the sluggard. Notice Proverbs 26, 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Now, seven is the number of completion. And so I think Solomon is intentionally using seven here to make a powerful point. The sluggard looks at the complete and total sound advice of everyone around him, and he yet still thinks his way is right. He thinks way too highly of himself and of his opinions. He cannot listen to the counsel of seven wise advisors. He is foolish and he is arrogant. You see, lazy people think everyone else owes them something. The sluggard acts as if the universe revolves around him. He thinks everyone else should be working hard, but he's special. The same rules don't apply to him. The sluggard's pride is revealed in his unwillingness to submit to authority and wise counsel. So here are four characteristics of the sluggard within us from the book of Proverbs. Which of these characteristics do you see in your life? Are any of these marks of laziness evident in your heart and in your life? If so, what are the consequences of that laziness? What are the consequences? That's the second truth that I want you to see in the book of Proverbs. The consequences of laziness. Our actions have consequences. Our lack of action has consequences. We reap what we sow, and the consequences of laziness are devastating. Remember what Proverbs 6, 11 said about the danger that will come upon the sluggard? And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Proverbs 15, 19 says, the way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns. But the path of the upright is a level highway. And so the sluggard's life is full of barriers and obstacles that make his life like walking through a hedge of thorns. Have you ever fell into a hedge of thorns or tried to walk through a hedge of thorns? It cuts you up. It is difficult. That's what it's like being a sluggard. The more you take life easy, the more you think you're taking life easy, you're actually making it more difficult, Proverbs says. Proverbs 19, 15 so we just saw 1519, but also 1915. Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. I think perhaps this proverb is where the Apostle Paul got the truth in 2 Thessalonians 3:10, where the Apostle Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, if someone is unwilling to work, they shouldn't eat. If someone is idle, if someone is slothful, they shouldn't eat. 
We've already seen Proverbs 20, 13. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. Now remember, Proverbs, not promises that are true in every circumstance, but rather Proverbs are truisms. That is, they are general statements of fact that are intended to teach the way of wisdom. So we can all think of examples of lazy people who aren't starving and poor. We can all think of examples of lazy people who seem like they have it all together. For example, some people that are lazy, they may have a lot of things, but they are poor in a lot of other more important ways than just finances and houses and those kind of things. Lazy people will suffer, Proverbs is teaching. It may not be lacking bread, but it will be in some way. And so, for example, many lazy people lack good and deep relationships. They're poor in friends because they spend all of their time relaxing and not cultivating the good friendships and relationships that they should be. The point that Proverbs is making is there are consequences to our idleness. Laziness brings shame, hunger, and, pro- and poverty. But Proverbs also talks about the consequences of our laziness on others. Not only consequences for ourselves, but consequences on those around us. Listen to Proverbs 10, 26. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eye, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Now, I don't understand the metaphor of vinegar to the teeth because I've never taken a sip of vinegar. But I understand what smoke to the eyes means. It hurts. And it's annoying when you get smoke in your eyes. And that's what Proverbs is saying is the sluggard to those around him. Nobody likes a sluggard. Lazy people are a nuisance to everyone else around them. No one benefits from laziness. That's what Proverbs is teaching. The sluggard is foolish because he's blinded by the dire consequences of his sloth. And King Solomon gives us these consequences in order to lure us away from laziness and into diligent and dependent work for the glory of God. So before we look at the cure for laziness, I want to just take a moment and mention five areas of our lives where we cannot afford to be lazy. Five areas of our lives where we cannot afford to be a sluggard. Laziness in these areas will be, will be seriously detrimental. Number one, don't be lazy in your job or occupation. Don't be lazy in your job or occupation. Whatever God has called you to do with the majority of your time, do it with all your heart. This may be a nine-to-five job where you go to the office. This might be working from home. This might be being a high school or college student. This might be being a stay-at-home mom. Whatever you do, whether you get paid for it or not, you can't afford to be lazy in your occupation, in your primary calling. The statistics are staggering as to how much time the average employee wastes at work. One study I read said that the average employee admits to frittering away three hours out of every eight-hour workday. Among the most common cited distractions at work were surfing the Internet, social media, shopping online, and applying for other jobs. A few years ago, there was an article that claimed fantasy football was costing businesses $19 billion in lost wages every year. 
Friends, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Don't waste your life frittering it away. Make much of Jesus by being the most diligent plumber or teacher or manager or homeschool mom that you can possibly be. Martin Luther King Jr. once said this. I love this quote. King said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great sweet street sweeper who did his job well. Which is just a restatement of Colossians 3.23 which says, whatever you do, what is that? What is whatever you do? Is that just some of the things? Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Don't be lazy in your job or occupation. Secondly, don't be lazy in your marriage. Don't be lazy in your marriage. Marriage is too important. It's too sacred to allow ourselves to fall into patterns of laziness in how we treat our spouse. Husbands, I dress you because you're the primary one responsible for your marriage. Is your marriage overgrown with thorns? Are you like the sluggard who planted the vineyard but have failed to keep it? Have you grown lazy in how you love your wife and communicate that she's the most important person in your life? Would your wife say that there was a time long ago where you made her feel special, you made her feel like she was the most important person to you, but it's been years and decades since you made any effort to romance her, to communicate your love and affection for her? Don't be a sluggard spouse. Work hard at cultivating deep and fruitful and a satisfying marriage that glorifies our God and Savior. Third, don't be lazy in your parenting. Don't be lazy in your parenting. Parents, we don't get a second chance to raise the kids God has entrusted to us. We can't afford to allow these years to pass without diligent effort in instructing, disciplining, and shepherding our children or grandchildren if that's your stage of life. Don't be lazy in this area of training up the next generation. Fourth, don't be lazy in your commitment to the church. Don't be lazy in your commitment to the bride of Christ. The church is the blood-bought body and bride of our Savior. She's far too important to neglect. Don't be lazy in your attendance at church. Don't neglect gathering with God's people because you let secondary things crowd out your time. Don't neglect the hard work of building relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. Just don't let your favorite television show each evening keep you from building relationships. Don't let whatever it is that's just a waste of time keep you from community groups and from Sunday school classes where you can cultivate the kind of relationships that are going to help you in your time of need and that you can help others in their time of need. The consequences of being lazy in your commitment to the church are devastating not only to your soul but to the rest of the body. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. Just cultivate the kind of relationships that are going to sustain us, that are going to help us, that are going to build us up, that are going to glorify God. Don't be lazy in this area of commitment to the church. Fifth and finally, don't be lazy in your devotion to the spiritual disciplines. 
Don't be lazy in your devotion and your pursuit of God through the spiritual disciplines. Friends, if there ever were an area where Christians should be diligent, it is in the area of cultivating the disciplines that God has given us to know and enjoy Him. Disciplines like Bible intake and prayer, spending time with God, fellowshipping with Him, learning from Him, being satisfied in Him. If we choose to live apart from the disciplines God has given us, we will miss out on 10,000 blessings that God wants to pour out on our lives. And so let's not be lazy here. Let's don't push these things to the back burner that we've been called to do. Make the pursuit of Christ central in your life, primary in your life. Now, let's close by briefly looking at the remedy for our lazy hearts. Number three, the cure for laziness. We've seen the characteristics of the lazy. We've seen the consequences of being lazy. What's the cure for laziness? How can sluggards like us become wise? Is there any hope for sluggards to conquer laziness? How can we fight against the sluggard tendencies within us for the glory of God? Well, I want to mention one immediate answer from the book of Proverbs and then one ultimate answer from Scripture as a whole. So one immediate answer and one ultimate answer. The immediate answer is this. In the book of Proverbs, the sluggard is counseled to recognize that work is a good and right gift from God. The sluggard is counseled to see that work is not to be avoided, it's to be embraced because God has given it to us. Hard work isn't to be avoided, it's to be embraced as God's design for our lives. You see, the sluggard, he seeks to avoid hard work because he sees it as a burden. The sluggard sees work as something he doesn't want to do. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want to do that. But the book of Proverbs says, no, that's not the way we should think about work at all. Listen to Proverbs 21:25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Is that kind of your attitude toward work? Whenever you see work, you want to avoid it at all costs? The desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands, refuses to labor. The sluggard cannot imagine what good would come from doing hard work. But he needs to recognize that he was made in the image of the God who works. See, God is the ultimate worker. God is the ultimate worker. The first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, introduces us to a God who works. For six days, God works as he creates the universe. And then every day after he creates, God says that his work is good. And then God creates people to inhabit this world that he has made. And you know what God does? You know what God does is one of the first things that he does? God commands the people he made in his image to glorify him by working. God works, he creates people, and he says, now display my glory by working. The Lord God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and told them to work it and keep it. So please hear this. Work is not a product of the fall. Work is not a result of sin. God gave work before sin ever entered the world. Yes, sin complicates work. Yes, sin makes work harder. Sin makes us lazy. But work itself is God's design for every human created in his image. We are creators. We are workers. This is how we were made. 
And this is how we display the glory of God when we work hard. A job well done with diligence and dependence is pleasing to our Creator. That's what the sluggard doesn't understand. This is why it feels so good to get something done. This is why it feels so good to step back and see a completed project and just admire it. This is what we were made for. We were made to accomplish things, to work so that God would be seen in our work. And friends, not only were we created to work, but we were saved by the precious blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, to do good works that God has prepared for us. It's Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created for good works, and you were saved and redeemed and ransomed for good works. Work is a blessing from God, and it's part of what it means to be human, and it's part of what it means to be a Christian. This is what the sluggard doesn't understand. The sluggard is lazy because he doesn't feel the wonder of being made by the Creator God to work. And so King Solomon counsels the sluggard to go to the ants. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. The sluggard needs to learn a lesson about hard work from one of the smallest creatures in all of God's creation. How humiliating. How humiliating. The sluggard has built great vineyards. The sluggard has built a wall around his vineyard. The sluggard has all of these good things. And what does God tell him to do? Go to the ant. Go look at an anthill and see what you learn from this smallest creature. The sluggard is so proud. He thinks so highly of himself that he can't even bend down to look at an ant. God is saying the ant is wiser than the sluggard. Because that little ant was made by God to display the glory of God by working hard. That ant doesn't need a commanding officer. That isn't, he doesn't need a, a, an officer to tell him what to do, to remind him to work hard, to get him motivated. No, the ant just works because that's what he was made to do, because that's how God designed him. And so the immediate cure for our laziness is to love and trust God. Laziness is essentially lack of faith in God who has created us and redeemed us. If we love God, one of the evidence will be that we desire to make much of Him by being diligent dependent upon Him. Friends, we must confess this morning. We must acknowledge and confess that we all have sluggard hearts that choose laziness over, di over diligence. And what if God required of us an accounting of all of our wasted time, of all of our wasted energy? It's an incredibly scary thought to think about if we're honest with ourselves and how miserably we have failed in this area. And what we need, friends, is not just a resolve to try harder and work longer. That's not the application to this sermon. Please hear me. If your thought is, I need to go out here and just work harder and longer, that's not the application. Friends, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. So here's the ultimate cure for our laziness. We need someone to reach into our lazy hearts and rescue the sluggard within us from the miry pit of our sloth. We need a Savior who is a perfect and holy worker. We need a Savior who accomplished His work with diligence and excellence. John 17, 3. 
Jesus' high priestly prayer on the night before he was crucified. He said, I glorified you on earth, Father, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And as Jesus suffered and died on the cross for our sins, he cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. And what he meant in that moment was that his work was finished. What he'd been called to do was completely done. Totally completed. He accomplished what we could not accomplish so that He is now the Savior for sluggards like us. He is the only Savior for sluggards. Jesus is both our example of diligent and dependent work and He is our substitute for our laziness on the cross. He is in every way qualified to be the Savior of people who have been lazy all of our lives. And so the application is Repent of your laziness. Turn away from your sluggard. Acknowledge that you are the sluggard that needs to be rescued and run to the Savior who lived and died in your place for your sins. Come to the Savior who said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The cure for laziness is ultimately found in a life-giving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, may all of us say what we just sung earlier, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Jesus, it's more than enough. Wherever you find yourself, whatever conviction of your sin you have, Jesus is enough for you. He's enough for me today. Let's trust Him now. Oh, Jesus, thank You that You are more than enough for us. Thank you for being our example in this life. But more than that, thank you for being our substitute. Thank you for dying in our place for our sins, our sins of laziness and every other kind of pride that exists in our hearts. And oh God, I pray that you would rescue us from that sluggard within. Would you, even in this moment, help us to repent of our laziness that we might put our hand to the plow and not look back that we might accomplish the purpose for which you created us so that you might be glorified. God, I pray that you would help us to have conversations about these things in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, in our community groups, in our church family. God, help us to help one another to pursue diligent and dependent work that you have called us to. Give us your favor. We thank you that you've secured it for us. We give you all glory and honor and praise. You deserve it all. For from you and to you and through you are all things. To you be glory forever and ever. And we pray it in Jesus' name and say amen. Let's stand together. And